there's a lack of love in sport. And you see this in interesting dynamic where if you go and listen to the radio station and they talk about the players like objects, mm -hmm. as that has filtered down into the, uh, I'm going to make the show, I'm my kid is going big, you will realize in a passive aggressive context that moms and dads all over the place are talking about young kids like they too are objects. So as a coach, you have to define and deal with this crazy sideline and the crazy doesn't always look like a fight or like a YouTube video you might see but it looks like people who are jealous it looks like people who are purposely politicking to get their kid where they got to go so when I come right down to it I have to say listen mom when you first had Sarah you were beaming because there was 10 fingers 10 toes and you wanted the best for that kid, but you wanted them safe and happy and to live a wonderful life. And now you've tilted it to they have to do something for you to be happy or them to be happy. It is time to do something about inactive populations. From physical literacy to policy change to youth sport, education and business development, we are a collective of smart and experienced servant leaders ready to take a stand. Welcome to the Quality Coaching Collective Podcast. It is time for action. My name is Martin Reeder. I'm a 2012 Canadian Beach Volleyball Olympian, Nike trainer, and athlete entrepreneur passionate about making a difference in youth populations. I will be your host as we speak with members of the collective to gain insight, challenge the status quo, and share our passion for improving health and sport culture. So clear your mind, grab a notebook, and let's get into this episode. All right. Welcome to the Equality Coaching Collective Podcast Project, episode number three. I have William Cromack on air, director of sport at Chimp, founder at Play Better, and founder, GM, and coach at the TSS FC Rover Soccer Club. What's happening, Will? Hey, Martin. Good to, good to have you and great to be here, man. Really excited to get into it. And, and before before we do, I just want to say that in reading your bio and, and getting into to know you a little bit more before this uh, this podcast, you and I think very alike. And, and I'm just so excited to talk to you about one of your key pillars, which is better people, better players. That's going to be a really nice founding philosophy of this conversation. So really looking to uh, bring that out and, and essentially share with the QCC of who you are and what you're about. All right. Uh -huh. I'm, I'm in. I'm ready. Love it. Uh, just before we start, where are you in the world right now? North Vancouver, sipping on a coffee, uh, rainy, and uh, you know, used to it, but ready to go. <laughs> I'm a bit jealous. I'm in Toronto, but uh, that West Coast rain is something that I, oddly enough, long for. Um, <laughs> just looking for a few words to define yourself, just to uh, bring you in uh, beyond, let's just say, your your titles. Yeah, I mean, uh Old school soccer player, old school athlete, um, and now uh, I like to, I'd say, consider myself an instructor. You know, I like to help teach, and when when you really get into teaching, you realize that you're just uh, supporting kids, people grow up to maximize who they can be and maximize their potential. So, you know, learning the whole way rather than coaching, I like to uh, help guide and instruct and just see where people can go. Perfect. That, that lifelong journey. I, I appreciate that as a teacher. That's great. Um, outside of your hectic schedule, which we'll, we'll get into any personal pursuits or passions you're currently working on or, or lighting up? Well, for me, uh, I decided I, I used to run a retail business for 20 years and I decided when I, when I changed gears that I was never going to, um, pursue anything anymore that I wasn't passionate about and that I wasn't into. So what I'm doing now is exactly what I want to be doing, um, you know, helping found uh, um, and coach a, a youth but under-23 professional club, both men's and women's. Mm -hmm. uh, that's right in my wheelhouse. Uh, defining uh, you know, programs that help kids develop in sport and stay in sport, right in my wheelhouse. You know, things that I would be doing with my own kids 
that's what I'm doing. So I just happen to land in a place where, um, you know, it's making it all, uh, it's making the mortgage able to be paid and I'm happy. Well, you're, you're living your passions, man. What, what more could you want in impacting the world? And let, let's get into that impact. So three different things I introduced you as, um, I'm sure you're, you're touching on all of those from a day to day, but can you just share a little bit about your occupation and kind of where you spend your time and, and how you manage those commitments? Yeah. Well, um, about four or five years ago, I um, was taking what I did on the side, uh, which is coaching young kids to play soccer, mm-hmm. um, you know, teaching them the game, you know, very young, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, under 12-year-olds. Um, and I began to see a world of hurt in the sense of parents and uh, adult, the adultification of sport. Uh, and developed a, a program organically where I, you know, had quietly become a, a, a moderate expert in the, the field of charity. And I, I began to introduce charity and um, sport together. Mm-hmm. Where I ended up is working now for um, a company called the Charitable Impact Foundation. And they are um, essentially were underpinning technologically um, the program Play Better that I created. Mm-hmm. Uh, ultimately, they went, we like what you do in the world. And I went, I like what you do to help me do what I do in the world. And a beautiful marriage of me having a job um, and working as a director of sport um, came true. And so this is why I mean, you know, you follow along with what you want to do. And this is what I was doing at night anyways, mm-hmm. um, because this is what I was doing with my own kids and and working in club soccer arrangements. Um, you know, they saw what I was doing was uh, was impactful. And, and people who, when you coach their children, see them gaining more beyond the sport, um, also see that there's benefits. So play better. Uh, I'm the director of, of um, Chimp Sport, mm-hmm. but in principle, they've gone, um, and, and believe me, it's amazing for me to be able to say this, they've gone, go do what you do, and keep doing it, and keep best. doing more of it. So it is, um, it is really wonderful to be able to say that I, I am a, a director of sport, but ultimately the founder of Play Better, um, I do play better every day, all day. Uh, and try and encourage people to um, you know, develop properly in sport as a, as a human being and as um, and as a player. So, can you get dive into that just a little bit better about what what a general synopsis of that play better uh, philosophy looks like? Yeah, I mean, in, in principle, um, when you when you take all sport um, and you break it down for the ages um, of teaching. You know, the analogy is you don't do grade 12 math in grade four. You do grade four math in grade four. And your intention to get to the quote unquote next level, which is what every parent and every coach talks about. um, But a teacher recognizes the next level from grade four is to get to grade five. So we started breaking down all the like varying skills and um, and the varying components uh, psychologically that you you know, would want to be at. In the world of soccer, we have an entire world to get advice from. Um, and we realized that when it all cost was wrecking the development of our young players. Now, this is not an uncommon story, but problematically, it's not, it's not really being talked about where it needs to be talked about. Mm-hmm. It's being talked about by leaders and people who are trying to um, make accountability apart for the adults. So basically what I did was I went, listen, I need you to uh, do these skills to demonstrate that you're actually getting better to yourself, mm-hmm. young nine-year-old. And if you do, I'm going to reward you with a, a, a charitable reward, uh, reward versus buying you an ice cream. An ice cream being uh, self, a charitable reward being team, uh, being change the community. And what I found was my gut said all the people that put their kids in sport want them to gain values of learning to work in a team, want them to gain values of how to work together, how to know your own role, how to understand who you are relative to someone who might be better or worse than you. Mm-hmm. All these things that we as parents, we as adults believe sport is giving us, 
we're falling by the wayside because winning at all cost changes that dynamic. Mm-hmm. By bringing charity, and I should say philanthropy, or just love of community back into sport, you gain this, this interesting dynamic where a young kid actually believes more, I would say, than an adult that they can go change the world. Now, if they're juggling a ball or they're uh, practicing their stick handling or whatever that might be, they also gain some self-esteem because they're gaining real skill. Right, right. Wow, that's fantastic. I love what that's about. Um, just thinking a little bit more about that, like what, what problem or, or issue you're trying to solve there, what theory are you looking to prove with, with the better people, better players, um, I guess better um, philosophy uh, and initiative? Yeah, well, I mean, if, I, if I'm, you know, I'm a, I'm a trained um, coach. I've gone to Europe to get my licenses uh, you know, to prove I can jump through the hoops of of, um, of getting badges and being on the on the right side of the ledger as far as uh, educating myself, but really experience and time on the field um, are what begins to educate you to what's required in the relationship of of coaching or teaching. Mm-hmm. And for me, um, every sport is broken into four um, categories. You have your tactical side. Um, reams and reams of paper and data have been written about tactical um, applications. You have your technical side and you see, you know, countless numbers of 1v1 coaches popping up all over uh, North America to make sure that, um, you know, your hockey skills or your soccer skills or whatever that is are, are really honed in. And then you have your, um, you know, so, so technical, tactical, you have your physical side and I mean, sports scientists all over the shop um, telling us what, what, you know, squat th- thrusts we have to do, what, you know, whatever that might be. But there is just absolutely no end to sports science, uh, particularly in North America, where we are the most dynamic and experts at that. And, and in soccer, um, we're not very good at soccer. We're actually really, really good at sports science. But one area that is like massively understated because it can't be measured as easily by the layperson is the psychological and social quadrant. And so for me as a coach, you know, years now of working um, with teams, managing them in businesses, managing them on on the field, um, Everything comes from the uh, psychological, social arena in order for people to believe that they can do the tactical work, that they can do the technical work. And so I lean on that. And um, and I think there's um, – I, I say this a lot and it, it always leads to interesting facial recognition. But, you know, people look at me like I'm crazy actually when I say there's a lack of love in sport. And you see this in- interesting – dynamic where if you go and listen to the radio station and they talk about the players like objects Mm -hmm. as that has filtered down into the uh, i'm gonna make the show i'm my kid is going big you will realize in a passive aggressive context that moms and dads all over the place are talking about young kids like they too are objects so as a coach you have to define and deal with this crazy sideline and the crazy doesn't always look like a fight or like a youtube video you might see but it looks like people who are jealous it looks like people who are purposely politicking to get their kid where they got to go so when i come right down to it i have to say listen mom when you first had sarah you were beaming because there was 10 fingers 10 toes And you wanted the best for that kid, but you wanted them safe and happy and to live a wonderful life. And now you've tilted it to they have to do something for you to be happy or them to be happy. And it's a real problem. So, you know, for me, psycho. uh, So I use pro-social behavior as an environment to lean in on to administer the other three quadrants. Hmm. I don't need um, more than a beautiful relationship um, and I don't have to like every person that I coach, um, but I, I lean in on trying to create a relationship. Um, and when I can talk about something outside of the sport, like what they care about in the world, mm-hmm. what they want to fix in the world, what what changes they want to see on the planet, 
um, you know, I think that we get further on the other three quadrants because the group comes together or the individual feels that they're cared about. And so my, my game is love. Like I want you to love the community. I want you to feel like you are cared for. Um, even when I'm very hard on you and I'm not like an easy coach, I'm not an easy teacher, but you do know that when I'm looking at you, make a mistake, um, that I don't, I will not judge you on that in the future. That's the moment. And we're going to coach that moment um, because we have bigger things to fix on the planet. That is an amazing philosophy. Um, I, one of my good friends, Vince Luciani, who is the creator of the legacy coaching, he's currently working in uh, CFL, NFL, some top other pro sports leagues and uh, CIS. We did a trip out to Thompson Rivers University uh, last year to work with their men's volleyball team, but we brought love in and we spoke about love and how it impacts sport and how it impacts the person. And, and I, this is what I'm all about right here. Better people, better players, where if we can use the, the vessel of sport to create a better human being and, and give them that empowerment to love through sport, uh, we're going to create so many better individuals at the end of it versus have them define themselves based on that short-term outcome, whether they win or lose that day, they're a winner or loser that day. So the love piece is, is huge and I don't hear anybody else talking about it in sports. So kudos to you. Um, I'd just love to ask, why do you think those sidelines get, get so heated and so interesting, right? whether that be culturally or, or the parents are invested in their child so much from a financial and time basis, like where does that come from and how long have you been seeing that little shift? Well, I mean, you, you have, um, you go way back, uh, from a societal standpoint, you had, um, a generation, um, that was into acquiring and that would be our parents. You know, they were, they were acquiring stuff. They would drop us a training, um, and then go do big boy and girl things. Like they weren't going to bring the deck chair out and watch, um, you incrementally get better, um, because they had things to do there's going to be a mercedes in the future and and how are we going to pay for that or who's going to do the shopping or whatever that looked like um today you have this like flexible work schedule and a, and a pendulum has swung uh, obviously too far where um you know our children are you know the the, the baccarat crystal uh, concept of, of of hold on to them dearly and watch them and care for them and there's bad people out there and white minivans driving around so you know that uh, has has permeated sport and then um again societal you have um the notion of what gets what gets measured matters mm -hmm. um but in a negative context right so what gets measured is wins What's get measures is standings. Um, so that's just on the sports side. But also what gets measured is wallet. You know, um, this costs me. So you're an investment. Um, being an investment is a problem. Um, and again, you know, you, you, you go right back to those quadrants. Um, why are we good at sports science? Because... We are we have fascinatingly amazing universities that have push out you know fantastic sports scientists who are able to measure and talk numerically about improvements in your hamstring strength and whatnot. But can you play the game? Can you play this game? Do you do you know where to go? Because you can't measure thinking. You can't measure uh, love. Mm -hmm. You know what is it that? You, why does this guy make a difference on this team? He's, he's sort of five, nine. He's not, you know, he's not really the fastest. He's not really this, like everybody pushes in North American context. We push those players to the side. Um, and it's, and it's across the board, except the coach sometimes goes, I, I don't know why, but that guy stirs the drink. Right. So, so because we can't measure these like very, um, uh, psychological things, they, they get left to the side. Mm -hmm. Um, and, and then your parents who, you know, largely unsophisticated, largely uh, go, well, I signed up for this sport. Um, but I, it wasn't because I played necessarily. I just signed my kid up because they want him happy and healthy and then lose their mind and make them unhappy and unhealthy. Um, which is, you know, ridiculous as it sounds, uh, you're going to get unhealthy if you quit sport. Yeah. <laughs> like 
plain and simple, and then we're going to pay for you. And there's another measurable um, called our tax dollars increasing because now we have to help you, um, you know, stay healthy either using medicine or um, or you're just not going to be so healthy that you have to go to hospital. Mm-hmm. And that all costs yeah. everybody money. Parents only have about three or four real measurables, uh, uh, money. Um, they they weigh themselves against each other when they should just be looking at their their, their own child and see if they're improving. Um, but that's a measurable. Uh, you know, I'm not as good as Johnny. Uh, why is Sam not doing as much? Well, he must do more hours versus better hours. Um, and then, uh, and then you have, and then you have, like I said, you have wins and you have standings. Um, if you could eradicate all four of those measurements, you'd have real sport again. Wow. That's profound. That's big. Well, coming to that, uh, end of that discussion, like what, what would success look like to you or what does success look like to you within that project? Well, um, for, if I would take my own teams, um, it would always depend and context is king. Um, it would depend on age, chronological or sport age and sport age is an an interesting conversation too, because, um, you know, we have a whole bunch of 10 year olds that pick up soccer for the first time, for instance, and their soccer age is foundational. And we have a whole bunch of 10 year olds who are, Pretty good soccer players have been playing since they were five, and their soccer age is not foundational. Um, so when I look at it, I would take those individuals inside a team, and I would always say to anybody in that age group, you're coaching the individual. They happen to all show up at the same time. Hmm. The success will be if their parents, and more importantly, the player, can tell me that from day one till six months later when the season ends, that they got better. The success will come when they don't measure their self-esteem by whether they won or lost, but by whether they got better. And then they can own that. Now, when that child owns that they're getting better, again, you go back to the coaching as a teacher, that's that's a win, man. If I have 20 kids and they say, I got better, I'm 20 for 20. Okay. If they respond, I want to sign up again next year to get better again, not just to sign up, to get better again, that's a measurable. If I have parents that are beginning to get it, you can't lose and get relegated in 10-year-old soccer. But your kid signing up next year and being engaged and getting better, then I would say that's another measurable. And I could, and I quite clearly, I actually asked them. I was going to say, how how do you communicate? How do you communicate with them? How do you build that into your teams and and their kids being a part of your team and that culture? How do you include the parents in that dialogue? We are never, ever going to uh, exclude the parents from the relationship. So um, a Band-Aid scenario would be parents on that side of the field. We're on this side. Mm -hmm. Don't come in the dressing room. Don't talk to your kid. Leave them with us. We got to help them grow as, um, uh, you know, adults or men or whatever it is that, you know, we need to do. Um, that's fine, but you can never cut a child off from their parent. It's just not going to happen. So why not include them? So after every game, we will, after every match, we will have um, the parents over and we will give the end of game speech, if you will, and to the parents. In fact, our kids are more often than not could care less what we have to say after the game. It's over. Um, we do the traditional, um, you know, have a meeting at the beginning of the year, but we, you know, set out expectations. Uh, if you don't set out expectations, you have nowhere to go, right? It's yeah. like it's like it's like going to do dry land training but not baselining. What's mm-hmm. the point? Like, why would anybody do that? That's just throwing around weights for zero reason. Like, what's wrong? What needs to be improved? Blah blah blah. Um, that that's the sports science, um, but expectation science is um, is saying we intend to do this. We intend to uh, support every one of the players by looking at them individually. We'll have an individual meeting with you, mm. um, with the player and the parent, um, and that takes fifteen minutes for every one of them. 
Um, and why do we do that? Because 15 minutes spent with one player and their parent or parents is more important uh, and less time consuming than spending hours undoing, um, a, you know, a psycho sideline, um, in my opinion. So, again, you know, I'm going back to that same quadrant every single time. My relationship to the child, my relationship to the player is intimately uh, intertwined with who they relate with more than they relate with me, which wow. is mom and dad. They live there. So can I get mom and dad to, in their own way, repeat and tell or incite or educate that player while I'm not there because we all believe what the mission is? So you're getting them on board and to subscribe into your ethos. And when you're not present, they're able to champion that message with their child versus take their own route, which you alluded to earlier. Oftentimes they're, they're so ill-equipped and, and they don't understand what's going on. No way they Correct. can coach that sport. That's amazing. Um, are, based on, on your knowledge, are you one of the few people that's implementing this? Because I have not heard of anything like this. Well, we, we, I was a soloist until hmm. I found a club that was like finding you know, Mecca. Um, for me in Canada, I find soccer clubs that understand this, but I would say, um, we would be some of the only people that consider that appropriate. Um, but from a play better standpoint, what I know I give what I want, what I think I know I give what we don't do is we don't tell the parents how to do it. Right. We more invite them to ask questions Yeah. and more questions that a parent asks the more they are able to um, empower, inspire their own child. Yeah. And here's the thing. It, it doesn't really ever, when a child believes in you, when a youth player believes in you, they're not asking questions regardless. But their parents who don't see you doing stuff that is quote unquote normal, mm -hmm. even though we all know it's actually abnormal to be crazy, um, you know, they, they begin to see their child happy you know that's, that's actually a pretty good thing like my my child's happy they're talking about things that i never thought they would around sport consider philanthropy in this case um and they want to show up maybe i'll ask a few more questions maybe i'll ask a few more questions maybe i'll just go with the flow now Wow. Powerful stuff. Well, let's, let's move on. And I just love to ask, is there a myth or a misconception problem that you frequently come across in your area? Um, it could pertain to anything that we've been speaking to about already or, or something kind of out of left field, but just looking for, for a high impact issue that we can make a difference on based on changing a myth or a misconception. Yeah, sure. There's a profound misunderstanding to the weight that winning has in youth sport. And it is the context that winning has in the minds of adults versus its actual place in development that clearly needs to be altered. And I would say the other side of that is play. Actual play is completely and utterly disassociated from development when in fact it is the greatest development tool that any child can have. Can you drop the ball? Next goal wins. Second captain, first pick. Here's some basic rules. Nobody yelling at me. Let me explore. Those are two massive, massive things. Get the context to those correct, and you will see a growth of physical literacy. You will see a growth of, of uh, humans staying in sport because they love it. And they're passionate about it, not because they have to get a scholarship. That is power, 100%. Um, what would change look like for, for either one of those or both? Um, I know that's a big question, and let's, let's not go too deep into it because that's, that's a deep tunnel. But certainly, like, even just the concept of bringing play – actually, we got to do both. Bringing play back, but also the, the context of winning. Uh, what would change look like? Well, I mean, changes when you're accountable, changing the winning side is when you're accountable to development versus scoreboards. So what does development look like? 
it, that would depend on every age and that would depend on every sport. But development looks like uh, an increase to me. It looks like an increase in the ability to, to play the game um, with the appropriate skills, enjoyment in that, self-esteem improvements, um, and a more well-rounded human being that is, um, you know, prepared to take on life. So, so how do you measure those? Well, you, you find varying uh, uh, methods to do that. Uh, often it's, it's today it's asking questions, you know, how are you feeling? I feel great. Um, rate yourself, you know, are you getting better? There's some, you know, let's say in, in soccer, you might, you might do a juggling test here and there. Um, you might do a physical uh, prep test and baseline it. Um, but there's ways to, to associate development of the player and person. Um, and that's what we all need to get better at. That's what we all need to get better at. Um, because without it, we default just like if you don't get a penalty for smoking on your insurance, you just default to smoking more. Uh, if you were a past smoker, right until you got the penalty, nobody really cared. It was like, hey, this is bad for you. Yeah, well, it's not bad for me uh, enough that I care. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, wait a second. It cost me more to get life insurance. Okay, now it's bad for me because now I have a personal penalty. So we default to winning and standings if we don't have a development thing that just looks better, yeah. a- a.k.a. to me, uh, play better, a.k.a. to um, you know other quality coaching collective people like uh, Matt, uh, a personal sport record. Uh, all of these tools beginning to to be utilized to showcase development. And then from, from a play standpoint, um, you really need to uh, um, begin to help coaches of the youth area recognize how not important they are. Mm. And by that, I mean, shut up. Like, stop yelling at your kids. You're not, they're not a video game, okay? You need to do more work before you get there. Don't show up from your accountant job and, and, and just throw the pucks on the ice and go, listen to me. I am now holy guy with the, with the whistle. Prepare. Prepare. I don't care if you took it on and it's a volunteer role. I do not care. Prepare. When you prepare, you prepare constraints. You can prepare uh, ideas. You can prepare the way that you want things to work out and what the outcome of that session could be because kids will still alter it. And then you can let it go. And guess what? They think they're doing. They think they're playing. Right. And they are. And that is valuable, massively. So in a world where everything has to be organized, you have to bring play right into your sessions. Best case scenario is to have organized play, Mm -hmm. meaning there's an adult there in case someone breaks a leg, but you can drop your daughter off, son off, and they're going to play. That would be awesome play like recess style play. Um, but as coaches and teachers, we got to bring that in and we got to make that happen. And then we are accountable again to a 10 year old exploring, getting better, sampling sport, feeling, um, feeling the different ways that the sports can impact each other, climbing trees, stopping and starting when they want. And, um, and really slowly and patiently getting better. Right on. You made me think of, I just got goosebumps thinking about it, just like elementary school playing football in the field. And, and we picked captains and the captains picked the teams. I have not been a part of a sporting experience in so long where somebody was in charge of picking the teams as a part of the game. And then you went and played. Right. What happened yeah. to that? Does that happen anymore? Have well, we taken you know that out of play? Is, is, is that's great about it from a val- you know, if you go back to that, that, psychosocial quadrant again um you want to context this fact that um uh okay now the two teams aren't even which happens all the time on recess courts and guess what that does it it makes somebody on the weaker team step up right it makes it makes things happen that are that are value based there there i gotta learn this i gotta figure out why am i why do i not feel good at recess why am i angry like why are those things that we don't even consider about finding these 
elite players that are robots in you know academies because they never learn to fight and dig and and get grumpy and and get happy because they're on the, the 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 superstar team that recess or you know how many times have you seen like everybody knows that that kid's the best so they put him with less players right right because that's what kids do they start they start doing things that are what they do i can tell you if you get given 15 kids and you say make a volleyball team um, right in this moment, there is zero chance you will do it correctly. But you find the alpha player, girl or boy, and go pick the best five to start, um, and they will be able to do it. They will do it better than you because they know them. That's what they do. Right. Um, and that's part of play. That's part of learning to, to become one of those people that gets picked or understand the politicking that can go on even in a 10-year-old. We miss out on so much of that because we don't let them just uh, own their own sport experience. Yeah. And but we can we can try it. That's that's psychosocial right there. That's the psychosocial quadrant. That 100%. person understanding how to be a human being in a system, and right. uh, and then playing in that system, playing nice having to be gritty, going for it. That's wild. Um, let's move a little bit more to personal. We've got to play a little catch up here. Um, but just looking to to get a core value that you stand for and how you bring it out in your life. Yeah, well, I mean, I think uh, I think TSS FC Rovers, uh, our, our pro team, is, a, is an example of or an expression of us um, wanting to be you know, stand for something. And I would say the the key value that we stand upon there is all voices matter. Um, you know, dovetails beautifully with better people, better players in my realm. Um, you come to sport and you, you maybe don't make the show or wherever you want to go, but you know, recognizing you can be the the play by play announcer, you can be a supporter in future, you can be a future academy teacher, um, you can be a, a physiotherapist within the sport realm, you can be a, a, a chiropractor, a doctor, you, you can do, there's just, you can be the guy that cuts the grass. You can be the most important person ever uh, before the Olympic uh, uh, hockey game was the ice guys making it perfect, you know, with a loony underneath. Like, there's so many areas and every one of those voices is an important voice that has something to say, that has absolutely something to say. So for me, all voices matter, um, you know, a value of, of being in a club where, where you, you may be responsible for the financial uh, stability, um, but you are no more important than the guy sitting at the top row um, or the player that's injured. Um, you know, and I, I just, I just really don't believe um, a team is what you see on the court, uh, the field. I think that team is so grand and so big, and so many. You know, the ticket lady that's been there at the Canucks for thirty years um, is valuable, like beyond valuable. And when we start to um, uh, have a society that doesn't value those people, um, we have the erosion of. Uh, everybody matters and we have the erosion of what what I feel is, is missing right now mm-hmm. um, which is which is you know like your kid can grow up to whoever they want to be um, instead we have this class structure and this 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 problem of I'm I've got more than you so I'm better and that that actually shows up in sport all the time jealousy um, I can pay my way to the top like these are these are all problems man and and so for me all voices matter um, and trying to demonstrate that through both philanthropy and the way that we teach sport. Brilliant. Love all of that. Um, can you share a tale or a moment that really captures why you love what you do? You've shared a lot of different examples thus far, but something on a personal side that really demonstrates and, and encapsulates the, the love you have for, for everything that you've described. Yeah, I mean it's 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 difficult to take one or two moments, but when I see a team that I don't know, and I see a coach, um, you know, expressing themselves, utilizing the, the 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 ideas behind play better, and then they they go off and they end up with pictures online that are, you know, from the SBCA, and their whole their whole tribe of of team is there. Um, 
it really starts to dawn on me that that there are people still great people out there that understand um, sport as a vehicle and a language, um, and those are those are those are very impactful and humbling for me. Mm-hmm. Um, on a personal, you know, just my own team, I remember um, I'll never forget taking my young boys to play. Uh, they're, they're probably 11 at the time and they were planning, they're going to go play in a gym against adults. Um, what is called the street soccer team. And these are, these are adults that come to play soccer to have a respite from living on the street. So here you have a whole, um, dichotomy of kids who can afford to play sport, um, playing against, you know, 200 pound men, um, in a game of, of soccer, um, that we arranged because we were supporting street soccer. And then we bought pizza and they broke bread and they talked about um, life and, you know, but, but 11 year old style, like they didn't, they didn't, they didn't look to us to say, how's this conversation go? They just, just go, man, I just played soccer against that dude. Um, he's a cool dude, well, you know? And, and then, and then we had a big table of jackets and stuff, but it was very like, it wasn't overt. It was like, just come and grab a jacket if you want. we got shoes, we got food. We want to. Um, you're helping us as much as we're helping you because you're teaching um, our kids about all all stages of life. So it was it was amazing to watch the kids play, and then they switched teams, and the the street soccer guys wanted to, um, you know, intertwine the the two groups, and everybody just played, and it was fascinating. It's fascinating, beautiful, incredible. What, what's the name of that again? Street soccer. Is that, is that an yeah, issue so, about Vancouver? So, so there's the Street Soccer World Cup, um, and there's varying chapters all around uh, supported by, you know, Salvation Armies and stuff like that. Hmm. Um, yeah, and the intention is if you're playing here, you're not on uh, the bad side of town, um, and every week you have a chance to just show up and and Love be that. be who you want to be. And and I, I say a very successful program in that many many uh, uh, a guy has got you know a person has got back on their feet and started slow and got a job again and done whatever they need to do because they all show up for different reasons. Mm-hmm. I can imagine how someone who's lost a lot to be able to find themselves through the power of sport because sport means so much to so many different people. Um, wow, amazing! I had no idea that existed. Thanks for sharing that. Um, let's move it to the QCC and, uh, just, this is a bit more of an internal piece, but hopefully uh, some great information will come out of it. Just why did you want to be a part of the QC? Why did it go to QCC? Why did you jump at the, uh, the opportunity? Well, first of all, you don't want to be a part of these things (laughs) that they show up and they, and they go, we're doing this and, you know, it's a necessary thing, right? Like this isn't, this isn't, this isn't Martin and Willie and, and Matt or Stan or whatever, you know, going, we want to do more stuff. This is going, we, this is right in the wheelhouse of what needs to happen. And if you're going to live like you say you want to live, um, then you just say yes. So, so that's the first thing I, I just have to be, when someone comes and presents me with an opportunity that first of all is amazing uh, and secondly, um, is in the world of trying to solve uh, or create solutions for what I feel is a, a massive pillar of society and problem right now, mm-hmm. then I'm going to always say yes. Next, um, uh, you know, there is some phenomenal human beings uh, in this collective and more coming all the time. And so for me, it is to share, um, you know, my own experiences, uh, however meager they may be, to share um, what I can do to support them so that that group, you know, just like a soccer team to me, um, becomes more powerful by many voices. Um, in, in my own teaching, I would say to the guys, you can't be a left fullback and a right striker at the same time. Mm-hmm. You guys need each other. Um, so for me, I feel like I need, um, these people in my life to help, um, support what I'm doing, but I want to then turn around and go, listen, I'll be the best bench warmer. I'll be the best water boy. I'll be the 
best uh, left back you you've you've ever seen, um, and just tap me on the shoulder if you need a if you need a hand, and I'll uh, and I'll get you that water. Um, and there's some of those guys out there that um, um, I feel could use a water boy sometimes, and I'm happy to be that guy. Brilliant. Well, certainly there's a lot of activity already coming through and a lot of active people who are looking to make change. And I believe you're one of those people. And this is, this is so exciting that uh, we're able to have this conversation on, the, on behalf of the Quality Coaching Collective. Um, what does it mean to you to be a part of it? Well, you know, you don't set up programs like Play Better with any sort of belief that anybody's going to care. Um, and when you get... Uh, when you get a high five from someone you've never met face to face, um, I feel it's like it's like giving your own player a high five and them going home and telling their mom that um, you know the coach thinks I'm getting better. Uh, it's the same exact sentiment, which again goes all the way back to that quadrant of saying um, people need to hear sometimes that they believe in you and that you are doing the right thing, and that um, a lot of times a collective. Uh, is a whole bunch of people who have been on their own. Um, and when they get together, they go, Oh my God, I'm so excited that someone thinks kind of like me. Um, I'd love to have a beer with you and a chat. And, um, have you, have you bumped into this before? So for me, you know, it's twofold. It's, it's like recognizing that you're not weird and it's recognizing that, uh, um, you know, a high five goes a long way to keep me fired up and wanting to get up the next morning. And, and I, I want to do that for someone else too. <laughs> Love it. Uh, what gets you excited about the equality coaching collective? Although we're, we're already super fired up right now, but what's, uh, what gets you excited about what can well, be just, done? Just change. And, and the fact that accountability cannot be, um, you know, appropriated to be a negative word. Um, but accountability can be a positive and, and, and every child, you know, considering that accountability is something they want in their life is, is more, um, you know, makes me happy because we, we've shied away from, from an environment that says it's okay to, uh, and, you know, not grade your kid or not, uh, tell them they're, they need to improve or and things like that. So when you get a, a group of people that come from an empathetic, um, spot, but still at still believe there should be accountability to great sport and uh, great performance and um, improving uh, all the time. Um, I, I think, you know, that's, that's just awesome, right? Like there's more people talking the same talk. Um, yeah. And if we can just bring it back to being like every kid going, I, I want to be accountable to, to myself um, and my teammates and, and my family, then I think we got a great, world inside the quality coaching collective to to make that happen absolutely one of my biggest lessons in my olympic year was playing with a new a new partner and we needed a one-to-one accountability to gratitude ratio uh in, in other times I played on partnerships where it was just too much gratitude, not enough accountability, and other times too much accountability and, and zero gratitude. And so we really decided for a, a one-to-one ratio, and it was probably the best environment I've been, ever been a part of. And that accountability piece is so, so important, but also those high fives that you're talking about uh, and, and sharing gratitude and essentially the, the love that we all have for, for what we're talking about. So awesome. But listen, listen to what you just did there. Like listen exactly what you did. You put a measurement to gratitude and accountability mm-hmm. and then it became real yeah. you brought to life the the quadrant that is ignored by putting a measurement to it and bang environment culture uh, uh teammates love like i love coming here man like i can't wait to play with you mm-hmm. like that's community that 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 is right there encapsulates everything i want to see in sport Agreed. That's why I keep on coming back. That's why I'm coming back to sport right now. I'm, I'm not seeing enough love out there. The times have changed. Um, what are some outcomes that you'd love to see from the, the QCC or, or what is a single outcome that you would love to see? Well, you know, I mean, uh, a coaching framework that allows people to um, lean in and begin their coaching from the uh, psychological, pro-social, uh, social quadrant would be something that I would um, uh, love to see or that at least gets its similar weight 
to the other three easily measured quadrants. Um, I'd love to see an expansion of um, these kind of communications where clubs are educated by this group um, properly through all the varying different ways that people can do it. Um, you know, so outcomes would be that that we, you know, give sport back to the kids. Like that would be the main goal. Give sport back to the people that need it the most and stop taking it away from them. That's powerful. So powerful. Um, where do you think lies the greatest possible impact uh, for the collective? Uh, we touched on a lot of different things and, and you have some great ideologies and, and philosophies that you're bringing to the world. But where where do you think the QCC can, can make the, the biggest possible impact? Well, uh, for me, I mean, it would be this next generation of kids um, and it would be it would be a group that says um, we stand here in this moment. Um, we are making this ground zero. This is ground zero. We have literally started this clock this moment. We're, we're, we're now measuring uh, um, how quickly we can um, deliver quality sport and quality teaching, coaching to every uh, kid in North America or beyond. And then we, then we are accountable to that. Um, where, uh, um, where we will get off track like all organizations, if we don't decide that this is the moment we're doing it. Um, and then we're not just talking, we're in action and we're supporting one another, whether that's business or otherwise is irrelevant. Um, but the flag is in the ground and ground zero has been created and, uh, the clock is on. I love it. I'd like to say that we're very close to ground zero. Things are happening. Um, and to close it all off, uh, is there anyone in the QCC you want to work with or acknowledge or send some vibes out there to, to anyone watching? Well, I would be remiss if I did not um, mention my man and best friend, Matt, who um, was the inspiration to the QCC. Um, he's a, a wonderful guy, but also... He doesn't just give you something for nothing. So um, he always appreciate being invited by guys like him because if he believes in what I'm doing, it's um, I'm on the right track. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and if I'm being honest, I want to work with every single one of these people uh, in some way, shape, or form. Um, again, you know, happy to carry the water um, because if it means growth, then we're we're going the right direction. Perfect. Well, hopefully. As things progress, more and more collaborative opportunities come out. And I'm just super psyched that you were able to give me some time and, and that other people will, will get your time through this. And William, I, I want to acknowledge you, man, as, as an incredible teacher, uh, someone who loves what they're doing and is sharing that love and is bringing love back into sport, which is great. Uh, certainly play is needed more. Uh, so I, I look forward to working with you on, on a project. We'll certainly connect after this. Um, and just thanks for your time. Really, really great to, to converse with you and better people, better players, man. All about it. Yeah. Well, thanks very much. And honestly, like this is what I, uh, I think is amazing is guys taking action like you are. And so it's been fantastic to do it. And, uh, I'm, I'm always available for great projects like this. So well done. Keep going and, uh, let's go rocket with the QCC. Beauty. Episode three in the books. Cheers, William.